0: For a lot of reasons I've been reflective recently, but the service thus far today has just taken me to a whole nother level. As Pam was sharing about superheroes, she talked about the Owens and the Millers, and I know those are familiar names here. And then Jeanette's prayer talking about the fact that God invades the ordinary, the everyday, right here, right now where we are. I was thinking about some of my heroes, and I was thinking about one in particular at a a super vulnerable time in my life. So 19 years old, had moved away from my family home, and this is before Bible college, before the call to ministry really, just as a brand new Christian kid kind of out there on the street. And I went to a, a new community to attend college, community college and I have to help you envision my country roots in Nebraska. I moved to a town of 2,000 people. And that, that probably seems small to you, but it's even smaller when you realize that it's like 20 minutes to the next town. So it's 2,000 people kind of in the middle of a bunch of cornfields, very small. But I came into this and I'm brand new and I don't know anyone and I'm going to class and I got a little place to stay, and I met this guy at the college. He was the painter. Maybe that's why I like Henry so much. <laughs> but this guy, his name was Chloe, Cloy, C L O Y. Unusual name. I've never heard it before or since. Uh, but he was the painter at the college, and he invited me to his house. He said he had a Bible study at his house, it was a couple miles out in the country. Every Wednesday, my wife cooks. Hey, uh, I'm all in, you know, and so I went and it was in it was on those Wednesday nights And we just sit around the table. There was a few students and he would lead us and just open the Bible and it was through him that I I Think was just born in me this incredible love for the Word of God and reverence for the Word every week and I was just brand new soaking it up like a sponge it was uh and it was through the, the 18 months that I spent there, and uh, it was through that time that things converged for me and I experienced a call to ministry that was like, <clears throat> that was 25 years ago now. And uh, I haven't thought about that guy in a really long time, Cloy. And I lost track of him, I don't know if he's alive, I don't know what's going on. But, uh, when you when you stop and think about the power of people in your life and the amount of influence that you can have in the lives of others. It's always been like that, and it'll always be like that. This faith that we have is transmitted person to person. And it's incarnated, right? And lived out. Jesus came down the song. You didn't want heaven without us, so you came, and he showed us, and we show one another. It was like that in the New Testament. Our text this morning is from 1 Timothy 6, and Timothy was uh, protege of the Apostle Paul, and he was uh, was a part of Paul's in-crowd. And we know a little bit about Timothy. There's two letters in the New Testament. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul writing to him. And we know some about Timothy's uh, characteristics, about his personality. He was kind of shy and retiring, probably not unlike me at 19 years old. Maybe like some of you, need a little bit of a nudge in the way. And besides being timid by nature, some of us, we also have the uh, tendency to become complacent, don't we? Just get in that spot where we coast. Because we know the scripture says it's all by grace, right? It's all by grace, so I'm just going to sit back and let God do it. And let his grace take over. And do what he needs to do. But we forget sometimes we need a little nudge because uh, certain things we need to do. And that's where our text leads us this morning. Paul to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. He says, as for you, man of God. And I just experienced that as a As a thump in the chest, Paul says, As for you, man of God, shun all this. Well, we're going to have to back up to see what all this is, right? Just go to verse 10. It says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. So the first nudge that we need is of a financial nature. And this verse, 1 Timothy 6.10, is very often misquoted to say that money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Read it carefully. What does it say? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money's neutral, right? Social media's neutral. It's just a conduit. Anything that we think of or experience as evil, it's our attitude toward it. The love of money, Paul says, is the root of all kinds of evil. So that means that disciples... Followers of Jesus ought to have a certain attitude toward finances. And we need to not be loving money. So what does that mean for you? When you look through your checkbook register, or when you remember when you used to have a checkbook register, When you look through your online account transactions, what does it show you? What does it reveal? How do our finances reflect our priorities? Or do they? So the call here is to aligning our financial lives with our spiritual lives, avoiding the love of money. Really what he's talking about in this whole uh, paragraph in chapter 6 that precedes our text is about these religious hucksters who thought that, uh, thought that the church and the gospel was a means toward a financial end, sort of a name it and claim it kind of game. Paul says to Timothy, not, not for you. This isn't a game. The first nudge that he needed was a financial one. Shun all of this and he said now, verse 11, still pursue. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That's a lot. But it's a list of character assets. This is what he wants us to be about. Those who pursue righteousness, godliness, and faith. To pursue it, to pursue the Christian life, to follow hard after it. Like Paul said in his letter to Philippians. Forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I... Press on toward the prize. Pursue these virtues in life. Which again implies a certain amount of activity. Not that we're just sitting back, praying, waiting for God to do his thing in us. But we're taking steps in the direction of character formation. That's what Paul's calling us to here in verse 11. And he frames it in verse 12 to fight the good fight. And you've heard that phrase, this is where it comes from. To fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is calling us forward. And we thought, as good Christian people, we weren't supposed to fight, right? Right? You're supposed to relax and take it easy and not get too worked up about stuff. And what Paul's calling us to here is a a life of effort to embrace what God has called us to. It means that we have to take significant steps in our life. Fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean for you? How do you conceive of The good fight. What does it mean in your life for good to overcome evil? We've we've had the example of money. We've had the list of character values or virtues. What does that look like for you? What does it mean? What's making you tired? What's wearing you down? What's draining you? You're being called to refuel and to recharge. Fight the good fight of faith, taking hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and for which you made the good confession. What is God inviting you to take hold of? And what would it mean for you to do that? What are the tangible steps that you could take to move your spiritual life Forward. That means to stop and evaluate maybe what are the things that are dragging you down? What are the things that have become an encumbrance? What are the things that have led to your complacency or made you spiritually lazy? It's a different way of looking at things, isn't it? not something that we're really comfortable with. Paul uses the metaphor elsewhere in the New Testament of the athlete, the person who's running the race, who's in top condition, who's focused on the prize. Is that descriptive of our lives? And if not, what needs to change in order for that to happen? Fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And, and he references the confession that Timothy made. Interesting. I have puzzled about that a little bit this week. To which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy, Timothy went public at a certain point in his life. And he kind of put himself out there and he said, this is it, this is my goal, this is my direction, this is where I'm going. And he told people about it. And Paul's reminding him of that because there's power in a public profession of faith. It's powerful when you go public to the people in your world, in your life, about your intentions. Right? It adds another level of accountability because it's easy for me in the privacy of my study and in my prayer time to intend that this is what I'm going to do, this is how I'm going to live, these are the characteristics that are going to define my life, here's my resolve, here's my intention, God, and then what happens? We walk away from that moment and all of that sort of faith. But if I've taken the additional step of going public, if I let you know my intention, this is what I want to do in my life, this is how I want to grow, these are steps that I'm going to take, then I'm accountable to you, right? Not that you're going to be my overlord, but you know about what I want to do, and then gently you can ask me, you can remind me, you can tell me when you see me, getting off the path of what I intend to do, right? So I want to encourage you not only to identify, okay, what are the steps? When it says fight the good fight, what does that mean for you? What are the positive things that you're going to do to actively develop your spiritual life? And then who are you going to let know about that? Paul frames it now as a challenge. Verse 13, he says, In the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is urging Timothy to live a remarkable life. And that's what I'm inviting you to consider this morning. Not an average life. Not a life that would pass muster with most people. A life that would be respectable. A life that would sort of blend in with everyone else. But look. Keep the commandment without spot, without blame. The invitation is to a life that's impeccable. We've kind of let go of that, haven't we? We don't think in terms of that standard. Extraordinary effort in order to live a life that's truly remarkable. I would say that most of us have given up on that entirely. It's not even on our radar. What we think about is getting by. Christ has done it all. It's all of grace. Sit back, relax, get on the Christian roller coaster and live the life of mediocrity. But Paul's asking Timothy for more. He's pushing him. That's the role of a mentor in our lives and a coach, whether it's a peer or someone who's a little further down the road, somebody who nudges us toward perfection, someone who helps us keep our eyes on the prize, someone who encourages us, man, look, your life has sunken into mediocrity. And because I love you, I want to push you up out of there. That's what Paul is saying. It's alarming, I know. It's a little bit uncomfortable. I didn't like it much either, but that's what I do. I I don't like it, so I come and tell you, so you don't like it. That's my job. What have you settled for? Where have you sold out? And what are the steps that you can take? And who are you going to share your intention? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the words of Scripture and the ways that they find us new at different times in our lives. The ways in which they encourage us to greatness. And we thank you for Jesus who lived a life of perfection And God, our prayer as we endeavor to follow in his footsteps is that you would give us courage, God, courage to live as Paul encouraged Timothy to live. God, give us resolve, give us intention, give us fortitude as we endeavor in our lives, God, to fight the good fight of the faith. In Christ we pray. Amen.